the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's right. Charlie Daniels. What a man. 710 KNUS, Denver's talk station. I'm Peter Boyles. Thank you for being here. And this is, a, I guess, uh, years maybe of uh, off and on talking about Joseph P. Kennedy and talking about other things and in many heated, oftentimes heated discussions on, on religion and faith. And uh, we've been bouncing around with this Kennedy story and did he sell his soul and Dr. F- the Faustian deals and Dorian Gray. But the, the greatest story is Robert Johnson. Uh, and according to legend, as a young man living on a plantation in uh, rural Mississippi, this young guy, Robert Johnson, was, had a burning desire, I guess the best way to say it, to become a great blues uh, musician. So he is instructed, and I, I read the legends. It was pretty cool. A lot of people have different takes, but this is pretty much the agreement. He was instructed to take his guitar uh, to the crossroads near the Dockery Plantation at midnight. He was met by a very large and happened to be black man who people think was the devil. He took the guitar and, and, he, and he tuned it. And the devil played a few songs and then returned the guitar to Johnson, giving him mastery of the guitar. And this is this was the effect, the deal with the devil. And it mirrors the legends of Faust in exchange for his soul. Robert Johnson is able to create the blues, for which he becomes famous. And people who knew Robert Johnson well, such as Johnny Shines, and I read Johnny Shines in prepping for this, Never heard him claim he sold his soul. So, but different accounts give, contrary to Johnny Shines, that um, he writes me and the devil, and he talks about early that morning when you knocked on the door, early this morning when you knocked on my door, and I said, hello, Satan, I believe it's time to go. And um, and again, he's even his death is 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 in a way mysterious and. Robert Johnson writes, you, you may bury my body down by the highway side and so the evil old spirit can catch a greyhound bus and ride. Crossroads Blues, standing at Crossroads. So the Crossroads is a real place. You can go, you can see it. And uh, we were talking about, you know, the going, going to the cross. And can it be done? Can you sell your soul? And 303-696-1971 Don waited and came back with this. All right, your turn. Can you sell your soul? Uh, no, but I, no, but I think you can. You can definitely give it away. That I ooh, think. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. You can really just 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 give it away for money, power, and ooh. That's part, that's yes. <laughs> that's the metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, but and I'm also a really big believer in karma. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I, again, I've seen that. I'm seeing it right now with a very close family relative. And um, that's, but, you know, it is what it is. 
I mean, there's not much you can do about it. You can talk to people. You can, you, you know, you can try to say maybe this isn't such a good idea, but they wind up doing it anyway. And 10, 15 years later, they're, they're telling you, no. <laughs> you know, there's they're moaning about about the, about the choices they've made. So, what does it mean to say or to hear "sell your soul"? I think you just put all your moral scruples and everything aside. Just you know, just just for power and money. That's a that's a very it's 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 a very luring. I'm not quite sure how to no, it's a, how, how to how to phrase it, but the, yeah, I'm, I'm, but the allure is there. Can you sell your soul for your heart's desires, deepest desires? I think you can. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not really sure about the mechanics of that because I I you know I you know I I try to look at. I, I look at it from my perspective. I wouldn't, because I know kind of you know I know madness leads in that. Mm-hmm. The the historical beliefs um, say yes, you can. <laughs> you know, like yeah. again, I use that word beliefs, but that Faustian deal and and pagan legends, by the way, and and I, I love the Robert Johnson story. I mean, I spent a whole I don't know week and a half reading Robert Johnson but uh, and I was you know kind of thought I knew about Robert Johnson and I, I did not I mean I uh, and even the people that knew him prior to this alleged trip to the crossroads said he couldn't play a lick <laughs> and he came back <laughs> and he could blowing the doors off and, and, and he even to this day I mean who's who's better than Robert Johnson and but they said he was, you know, quote, these were the words that were written about him. He was like this, you know, do-nothing womanizer. And he goes and he comes back. And when he came back, it's like, and, you know, growing up in, in church, the Catholic saints uh, constantly feared the devil. And the Faust legend may be the strongest of the stories. And um, as an old guy, you know, it's the stuff you think about. But Robert Johnson, a little more than her. This is the stuff I brought in. A little more than a lazy womanizer who couldn't play a lick. Johnson allegedly goes to the crossroads, Route 49 and 61. Remember Bob Dylan, Highway 61. He makes a deal with the devil in exchange for his soul, the ability to play great blues, something he did for about three years. And he mysteriously died. Three years. That's all he did. Three years of his life. Yeah. Live fast, die young, and make a good-looking course. Heard that said more than once. (laughs) You take care. Thank you, man, as always. Thank you so much. Uh, We now have a line open. We go to to Joe. Joe, you're on a radio show. Good morning. It's March the 2nd. Hey, can you believe it's March? Holy cow. Where is the year gone? Springtime. Here we go. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you know, I don't know. Yeah, I love Robert Johnson, but you know, you know who made Robert Johnson famous was Eric Clapton on his music. I just wonder. Yeah, yeah, in a way, but the you know the true traditional people were always about Robert Johnson. Yeah, yeah, good blues guy. Yeah, and I just wonder. I, I don't buy the whole crossroads thing. I just think he went away and just. Practice his craft. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I mean, it's hard to say. I don't know. No, I'm, that's but, why that's why we're doing the show because it's 
It's exactly, exactly that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe in supernatural stuff. Can you but, sell your soul? Um, can you sell your soul? Uh, maybe you can. I don't. I. I'm not qualified to say. Well, that. I, none of us are. But is it is it simply? And this is my conclusion in many ways. Simply a metaphor. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good way to explain it. Absolutely, absolutely. But Peter, I want to ask you. You're. <clears throat> pardon me. I got such a bad. Cold. Sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. You know, you're such a well-read, smart guy. What I don't understand about you or anyone else, what is the fascination with the big-time wrestling? To me, it's like just a a fantasy and a farce. I mean, what's the fantasy? What's the... That's it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just a a joke. Well, and and again, I I was raised and... watched wrestling on television as a kid and I think the real turning point for me was when I got into this business and um, they, you know, I was working at Cat Radio that's now no longer there as the call letters but and uh, the local promoter his name was Gene Reed and I, lo- I always was and I'm, we're marks I mean we're not fans or something like that. when you're in wrestling and and you go to the arena to see a show. You're a mark, just like the old carnies. They, you know, like when you okay. you mark for somebody, and they, right, right, they, they called us marks. And so I I had I invited Gene to come sit with me on the show, and he did. And Gene was a local promoter for Vern Gagne in the old AWA. And so then I said, man, I want to get these guys on the show. So he brought um, Vern came, and uh, Vern was. I mean, the man, Vern, was at that time. And then um, he green he green gave me the green light that the guys could come and do the show. And I wasn't going to, I was going to, I was going to lay down for it. You know, I wasn't going to try and, you know, say it's fake. I would, but I'd, I'd, I'd mark for them. And then I got to a guy who really was instrumental in my, a lot of my life was Bobby Heenan. And, um, I realized that everything I learned about talk radio, I learned, I learned from them, and um, really, oh, really? A- absolutely. I mean, I know when, uh, when it was clear to me that Donald Trump lost the election, and what happened on the radio was in it was a heel turn. That's when a when a really good guy goes bad, and they call it the good guy becomes a heel, and I became a heel. I mean, I, I was healing. Ric Flair's a heel. Um, they're made up between you know good guys and bad guys. What it really is is if you read um, medieval history, there was something called morality plays, and then morality plays traveled, and pro wrestling is a morality play, and they were they were always Christian based, and it was always a young guy facing the devil or facing you know the the consequences of that with. Sometimes uh, they were after his wife or his girlfriend or whatever it was, but they would travel. The medieval, the, they were called morality plays. And they would come back maybe once or twice a year. And in the end, the good Christian young man won. And ultimately, if you watch pro wrestling, and I, I haven't followed it as much as I used to, but... You find good guys and bad guys. Good guys and bad guys always do terrible things. 
But in eventually, in the long term, the good guy will win. But the show comes back to town again and again and again. And I was I got to go to Casper and Cheyenne and that kind of stuff. But I learned so much from those guys. That just that just blows me away. No, they're to me. To me, I watch it, and it's just, it's just, it's not even comedy. It's just well, but you have to. Farce. I mean, the, but farce. but it, belief is a huge part of pro wrestling. Um, I guess so. Oh, listen, I, I saw stuff that, I mean, the, you know, the, the heels, the bad guys, um, whew, you know, the people that hated them so much, and. I mean, I, I got some stories that if just, you know, you and I are sitting someplace someday, I don't want to do them on the show, but stuff that I, I saw happen and witnessed. And um, and I, I, that's when I, you know, one of the one of those wake-up moments, I, the first, so anyhow, long story short, they asked me if I would do the ring one night, the first night, would you be a ring announcer? And it was at the old Denver Auditorium Arena, and I went, jumped on, I needed money, I was like a broke kid, but. I still wanted to work. In, I was wanted to work in the business, and so um, the, I, pri- I was probably wearing the only. Not that I'm a clothes horse today, but the only probably nice thing I had, and um, I was working a cat. And some they got me a trade to get, like a like, you know, remember the Levi jackets used to match the pants, and they were and yep, a shirt yep, and everything. Yep. Yeah, so love that. Uh, yeah, love and that. so I would climb in and out of the ring. Well, the end the end of the match was. They're called screw job endings, and a screw job screw is job that's what they're called. I mean, there, there's listen. There's a there's a booker. There's guys, and you know they they were and they were they call you smartened up when they tell you they start to tell you to watch out for this, watch out for that, and they call and it had a screw job ending, and the bad guys won, and the bad guys at the time happened to be Bobby Heenan, Jack Lanza. I can tell you who was in the ring and what happened. So my job was to get the microphone, unplug the microphone and get the ring bell was one of my jobs and get the watches in there because we're doing a, you're, you're playing to time. And the, I remember the kind of microphone was called an electro voice and I couldn't get it unplugged. This, I, I don't know if I ever told this story and I couldn't get it unplugged. And by the, by that time, the cops had built a circle around the heels and got the heels out of there, and the faces went out another way. I can't get this thing unplugged. And finally, I get it unplugged, and I look around. There's nobody but an angry crowd. And I got to get the ring bell. It's on a red board. The bell was red. had a little chain on it. had a hammer. that I would hold the mic, ding, 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 and read it. And I start heading back to the locker room, and it's on. <laughs> it's, it's on. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I... People throwing stuff and punches getting thrown and you know and it was like and I got back to the locker room and I was drenched and uh, wow. I mean uh, I mean and and the guys were you know they were laughing but Heenan said Heenan came over and he said uh, take those clothes off and and he gave me like one of, and I still have the his one of his ring coats I it says Heenan on the back. And um, he said, here, put all this stuff on. And he said, get in there, take a shower. I went back in, and the shower's connected, and the good guys and the bad guys in there are taking showers together, you know, because the, the, that's where they, the deals were made. 
And then they the promoter had a a big um, um, big plastic rubber container full of beer, ice and beer. And um, guys are sitting, yeah. yeah, guys are sitting back there together and drinking beer. And I started to see it, and uh, you know that it was it was a work. And um, that's what that's what hooked you. That's what got you. Hooked. Oh yeah, I just I'd been I had always but and then you know then and and then a couple couple of the guys you know kind of took me under their uh, you know and said if you're going to work you know uh, you know and it's called a, they call it working there there's a thing called a shoot. And a shoot, and that's why I called that, that YouTube television thing a shoot. There are real moments, believe me, real moments in two guys, and that's called a shoot. And there, there are wrestlers, pro wrestlers, that are called shooters. And every, every, every company, and they'll have one or two of those guys, and they, you step out of line. And they're, they're, all, they're all pretty tough guys, but there's a shooter, and a shooter will, will do exactly that. And um, and most of the time they're working. It's a badass. It's a work. Yeah, I mean they're they're working and because they know that tomorrow night they're going to do it again. I always make that argument about rodeo and and rough stock horses and bulls. They don't want to hurt those animals. Now that's real stuff. Rodeo and, no, and that's I, no, real stuff. Absolutely, that's but they real. but they don't want to. They don't want the they don't want that bucking horse or bucking bull to get hurt because he's the oh, absolutely. He's money. They want to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's, he's money. So. If you and I are in the ring, I don't want to hurt you because we're going to do this act again. Um, when I was working, we want to make more pay. We want to make more uh, pay. There you, and by, now those guys would say, "Me and and the guy that I I got to know, um, Steve Williams. Steve Williams grew up here, and he he was under the name of Doctor Death, and um, Doctor Death. Do, oh, <laughs> he got that name in high school. I mean, that's and. Uh, Steve came home. He was ill, and I threw some other guys that I know. Said, "You got to meet Doc." And he had a, you know, he had a Harley, and we rode together. And I'd take him on remotes with me, and 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 people turned out to see him. And Doc and I talked, and we would have long discussions about about working and uh, and and shooting. And and Doc, Doc went. Love he shooting. was he was in Japan. Doc was, and they had these things called the shoots in Japan. Japanese hard style. A lot of that stuff leads into MMA and UFC. And actually, Sakuraba, the legendary Gracie hunter, he came out of all of that stuff. And Doc knew those guys. And But he always talked about you made money together. Um, he and uh, the junkyard dog, whose real name was Sylvester. And he said, me and dog. And we would talk. He said, we made money together. Ric Flair told me about it. In him and uh, Ricky Steamboat. But he said, me and Ricky, we made money. In other words, it wasn't like saying, I did this, because you couldn't do it alone. You know, you, you had to have another guy. And uh, and so in the South, now think about it, in the South, Junkyard Dog's the face. Dr. Death, this white guy, is the heel. They were, pa- they, were, doc, they were packing joints, man. They were like having them hang <laughs> off the rafters. And... They burnt, they burnt uh, Doc's van, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And he said, "Man, he said, we were we were making money. We me, but me and me and Doc made money. And I've just always just loved it yeah, because, awesome. it, yeah, it was always kind of like, um, and they they were smart. God, they were smart, Joe. They 
They okay. Let me ask you before sure. you cut me off. Sure. So, Peter, you're 80 years old and you still ski. How do you do that? I mean, I was a hardcore huh. skier for years and years, and then I went into snowboarding, and I've had a few injuries, and I'm 62, and it's like I'm afraid to ski or snowboard because, hmm. like, I don't want to cripple myself. Right. Yeah. I mean. You're 80, and how do how do you how do you how do you do it? Put your skis on, get on the chairlift, <laughs> yeah, right, and you get off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still. I, I mean, I'm down to blues and greens, brother. I'm not that. I'm not. That, yeah, that, and, and I guess yeah. if I want to try it, I got to go to blues and greens. Blues yeah. and greens, blues and greens, yeah, and sun. I broke my leg a oh. few years ago, and now it's arthritic, oh. and it's like I'm afraid to get up because it's like no. I don't want to cripple myself. Blues you know? and blue, blues and greens and blue sky and nice snow and. And you know what? My favorite skiing actually is coming up. I love spring skiing. That's it. When the snow is soft. Yep. You know, and it's abundant. And yep. Yeah, you just cruise. Yep. And yep. Yep. That's now. So yeah, I might have. I might have to buckle back in. Nothing. I, I have been not, up for nothing. Years. Not, nothing to prove, brother. Nothing to prove. Exactly. Exactly. Take God care. God bless you, brother. Thank you. You too, man. Three zero three. Six nine six nineteen seventy one. Yeah, Doctor Death grew up here, and Steve Williams grew up, went to high school here, and and uh, when Doc's funeral, man, that was really something. Who came up for for Doc's funeral? And uh, uh, he was the he. You know, he. I was doing an everyday show then, and you know, you get hired to go to places, and you know, and they're called remotes. I would take Doc, and uh, he rode. He, you know, he had a. The hell did he ride? I think he had a road king, and um, he would show up, and people would just love Doc. And we would talk, and he talked about uh, they were called shoots, and in uh, a place called the Egg Dome in Tokyo, and it was Japanese hard style, and and he, you know, he you came back out of that, you were <laughs> you had to be tough. All right, my friend Danny Kaplis, we talked about Danny, believed to be the only lawyer in Colorado history to win five straight multi-million dollar jury verdicts in motor vehicle crash cases. I also talk about Dan when it was my family and what he did for us. The firm's history of seven and eight figure settlements and everything speaks for itself. This is a firm where good people, I'll tell you what, for us, all walks of life without regard to ability to pay and the level of legal representation and the rich and powerful get this much and you'll get the same. Danny sees it, believes it talks cheap, experience counts, results matter. The firm would be happy to share with you its track record of outstanding jury verdicts and out-of-court settlements. And he's Dan. I mean, he really is the man. Believes that who you hire says so much about you and everybody involved. They suggest that you choose them. And I do as well. You need Danny's help. You call him at 303-770-5551, 303-770-5551. Or hit on the, you can look on, on the internet. You have Kaplis Law. Danny's last name is C-A-P-L-I-S, dancaplislaw.com. The King. You know this woman? The Tupelo, Mississippi Flash, Elvis Presley. You think he sold his soul? Ooh. 710 KNUS, Saturday morning, March the 2nd, 2024. It's really been a fun show to do. Thank you all so much. 67 and windy will be the high. 55 Sunday, Monday, 42 degrees. 303-696-1971.
and a combination of many, many, many shows uh, about all kinds of different people and selling your soul to the devil. And is it a, I'm down to a you know, metaphor, but what does it mean to sell your soul? And people have been great this morning. Go here. We go to Gary. You're on a radio show. It's Saturday. Good morning. Oh, hi, Pete. Um, hey, man. I, uh, I was going to talk about your topic, but I, I wanted to comment on your last caller who was talking about skiing. I, uh, I just got back from Winter Park, uh, skied this morning, beautiful blue on white. And, uh, you know, like he was saying, uh, he's been broken up, and I have too. I've broken a few bones in my day. And, Both of us. Yes. Yeah. And we skied together several years ago. Yeah, you ago. and I skied together. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I hesitate. I, I About uh, three years ago, I was in a bed after an accident, and they were wondering if I'd ever walk again. And it took me until this ski season to get up there and ski. I knew I went, wasn't going to pound moguls the way I used to. I tell you what, it was a spiritual experience. Um, yes, it is. It it was you know after you, when you've been skiing a long time, even skiing the blues and the greens, just skiing and carving beautiful turns and just having that feeling of release and carving, and you know you're doing something. And I tell you what, it it, it just changed my life. And it wasn't because I wasn't disappointed because I couldn't do what I used to be able to do, but what it, I proved to myself that it's an option. I have that, and I can always go skiing again. And it was just a beautiful experience. So I just wanted to encourage. No, you're the last... everything you say. I mean, I it's greens and blues, and <laughs> has to be the right day. And I, I remember Gary, Gary and I were at the cafeteria in Winter Park, and this is I don't know three, four years ago at the season holiday season. And there's a guy, and I, you know, I'm, I'm making up a story about what I'm watching, but he had a one-piece on, had a Chicago Bears baseball hat on. His wife was there and a couple of kids. And you can look out the window from the cafeteria up there. That, the flag was snapping. I mean, it was so windy, and the snow was blowing sideways. And it had to be, I don't know, two degrees at the base. And he said, get your boots on. We're going skiing. These kids are going, ah. And... I put a, made a story together that he had come from Chicago, paid holiday pricing, lift tickets, airplanes, ski rentals, and by God, those kids are going to ski. You know, he's hauling them up on the hill where, you know, that's when we're old and, you know, we look at each other and go, no, nah, it's too cold. I'm not going to go. And But I remember seeing that guy. Gary and I have talked about that guy. He was not, not Gary you, Gary DeFranch, who was the who ran the mountain. But I watched that guy and I'm thinking – he must be out about six grand right now, <laughs> and this kid doesn't want to ski. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yes, you're going. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and these days it's uh, not six grand. It's about ten grand. Yeah. But, uh, and, you know, Pete, uh, the way you and I wound up skiing together was you and Gary were sitting there having your breakfast, mm-hmm. and I went over, said hello, and Gary was saying that his back hurt too bad. He couldn't ski. Yeah. And you looked at me and said, "Well, you want to go skiing?" Yeah, I said, "Absolutely." Yeah, yeah. No, I remember we had a we had a good. It was actually it was a good ski day too, and we oh, had yeah, good, we, good 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 talks together. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we went all the way to the tippy top to that bowl back there. Yep. And, oh yeah, and Parsons. I mean, we did do it. 
we did do some uh, a, a few small moguls, and you know, you do what you can. So That's... if that if your last caller is listening, get up there, and you might surprise yourself. Indeed, you take care of yourself. Thank you very much. We go to John. John, you waited. Good morning. You're on a radio show. Thank you. Yeah, Pete. Oh. Uh, as far as the selling your soul, I think that some people sell out for love, money, or power. Yes. And once they do it once, it becomes easier. And I don't, I don't believe it's the devil. I think it's just human nature. Well, that's that's what I'm asking because one of my conclusions, if it's worth it. Is selling your soul is a metaphor for betraying what? Or core beliefs, perhaps, but I don't even know where that goes. So, in other words, you're willing to do something bad or immoral for money, power, or success or fame. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, they just feel uh, uh, they know they're doing wrong. Do they? They're hurting somebody or something, and... Uh, but they do it anyway because they're driven by well, here, whatever it is. <laughs> my working definition, you know the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath? No. A sociopath builds castles in the sky. A psychopath lives in them. <laughs> and so, you know, and so when people talk about somebody being a psychotic or people that are willing to sell their souls and the world is full of people that are willing to do those kinds of things for for what they believe will be the 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 ending of it so taking accountability for your actions and making amends with people that's part of recovery but or people would call it repenting but what does it mean to you when someone says you sold your soul? I don't know. Yeah. It's hey, good. Uh, I got a couple other things, biker-related. All right. Uh, Ghost Rider. Yes. <laughs> that, I... was, that was soul-to-soul uh, -to, -soul to become a great rider and... try to redeem it. But remember, there was a series of Ghost Riders. You remember whether... You know, remember that he finally meets the horseman that was a ghost rider. Right. No, I, I love the ghost rider, by the way. I think that's great. And I got a book. All right. Uh, you may have read it. The Ultimate Guide to Choppers. Yes. And I found what I found interesting is uh, the chapter, The 80s Against the Wind, they got you quoted in it. <laughs> I'm afraid. What does it say? Well, it's pretty good. You no. want me to read it? Yeah, please. I mean, because I, I rode choppers for a really, really long time. And yeah, I, well, yeah, we, we've both been riding a long time. Uh, it went, when, when was the last time you saw a beatnik? Or better yet, a hippie? Where are the people who screamed freedom in the 60s and 70s? Outlaw bikers were an important part of the culture of the 60s yeah. and 70s, and now in the 80s, out of the craziness of the last 20 years, only the motorcycle brotherhood has survived. 
wrote Peter Boyle's and Denver Magazine yep. during 1982. Yep. yep. No, it's when I wrote with the boys, and um, yeah, well, I mean, they're still out there. <laughs> yeah, and I and I still I still see everybody, and um, and still. Thing is, thing is, all those out, old outlaws are all right, riding baggers now. <laughs> well. That the, the, the cho- what choppers are is they, for the people that don't, after the Second World War, and there was a lot of Harley, there were 74s, and there were flatheads, and there were all these, all these bikes, and they took them, and they started removing um, fenders and taking things away from the bike, and it was called chopping. You chopped these things off, and you made the bike. If you ever see the, in Lee Marvin, the bike that Lee Marvin rides in, in the wild one, that's a chopper. That's an old chopper. And uh, Marlin's on a on a Triumph. And yeah, and Brando's riding a Triumph, and they're riding Beezers. But when those other guys come to town, they're they're the real they're the real guys. He's got that striped shirt on and that hat, and um, you know that's he he is the wild one. It isn't it isn't Brando. Yeah. It's you know when Lee Marvin pulls in, and. Um, those guys, well, those know, guys. The, the real wild ones began out there in Hollister. They got all, right. all blow up, blown up, and yeah. and Hollister was that was manufactured. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I went to the fiftieth anniversary of it back in '97. Wow. And uh, yeah. Well, I met some of some of the old booze fighters. And uh, was introduced to them, and they were they were on you know they were going out. But there was the top hatters, the booze fighters. Uh, they were like I don't want to say they were the, the originals, but they were part of being the originals. And they were California guys, and in in, in Chicago, I think it was the Outlaws in like probably in, in Illinois somewhere. And then you know there's always this you know who who was first. But those guys were principally Second World War veterans and what they didn't do. Yeah, uh, well, they were probably suffering from PTSD and couldn't adapt to civilian Oh, no, they, they, they didn't fit in, and the bikes were the, were the way out. And they, but they were the beginning of chopping the bikes. I, I, um, I have, I know he comes on the show with us from time to time named Jeff Decker, and Decker is absolutely brilliant. He's the, he's the sculptor that sculpted the, outside the Harley Museum of the old hill climber, and, oh, yeah. and he's, I mean, he's just a most ama- one of the most amazing guys I, I think I've been kind of, been, that life's been kind enough to let me become friends with. But Decker grows up, and his dad uh, raced with Steve McQueen, and they, they went to that, that hangar that they had. I think the hangar was in Santa Monica. And he knew Von Dutch. End of story. And they had stories about Dutch, and they had stories about all of those guys. Yeah. And uh, they were, they truly did change culture. Oh, yeah. Well, how about, uh, it must have been the 70s on, on any Sunday? Yep. I mean, that created the whole desert. Desert racers. Yeah. McQueen raced the desert, and the parent was a yeah. pretty good rider. Yeah. Ah, uh, motorcycles. I'm going actually going. Kenny and I are going to this, going to this motorcycle do after the radio show's over. So, <laughs> I'd, 
Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. 303-696-1971. Ski season, we just mentioned, is in full swing. The snow is really great in Winter Park. You know what it means. It's Larson Ski and Sport to get all of your new gear. Now, this is coming in at probably one of the best times to ski, the spring, the snow's up, um, sun's out. Take it from me, you need any ski or snowboard gear. Larson, ski and sport. Um, if you're a renter and they rent what's called demos, we just took demos back. Um, they, it's their new skis, and you want to try snowboarding. Um, and I like this line, bring your ski. I don't know why you do it, but it says bring your skis back, and they'll give you a board. If you're a boarder, uh, Alan Samuel from Machine Gun Tours, board, he comes from, his boards come from there. The guys at Larson's will take time to get to know you, your family, and match you with the right brands. Jackets, pants, hats, helmets, goggles. Um, they, I had a, a pair of lenses made. Actually, Alan Stack made them at Stack Optical and finally put them in the right set of goggles, and it was picked by Paul and the guys at Larson's. And there I was, bombing along in the snowstorm. You can you can stop on the way up the hill or you can stop on the way home. Easy to find if you're going westbound on I-70. Get off on the Kipling exit, come down the ramp, and then you make a left and you come underneath I-70 as a tunnel, real short tunnel. Come out on the other side, look to the west, look to your right, and you'll see there's the first there's a place right there. It's a, it, it, it's, it's a Chinese restaurant right next to it. Big wooden building. Seven days a week, Larson Ski and Sport, and uh, Jack Marriott, who's the ski guru, boot guy, and John and the guys at Larson's, Paul and everybody, the experts at doing it right. Stop in today and tell them I sent you Larson Ski and Sport, south of I-70 on Kipling, 303-423-0654. You can rent and do it right there. They're LarsonSport.com. You ready, birthday guy? All right. Today's, today's Lou's birthday, 710K in U.S. Robert Johnson is how it started. It's a Saturday. Me and the devil. Devil comes to see Robert Johnson. Morning, everybody. 710K in U.S. on a Saturday. Uh, selling your soul. We got about, if we got four minutes left in the show, we go to Mark. Mark, you got four minutes. Good morning. Thank you. There's a theory about Robert Johnson's death. Apparently, well, I heard this on KUVO. They used to have a show called All Blues a long time ago. Okay. Apparently, he went and he had, he was having an affair with yes. uh, a married woman. Yes. He went into a bar one night, and I guess that woman's wife, either that woman, that woman's husband, either worked in the bar, poisoned or him in the bar. Yeah. And they poisoned his drink. Or the other way around is yes. the woman that he that he was messing around with. He was a womanizer, and yeah, and the the he went from the married woman to a to another woman, a younger oh. woman, and no, no, believe me, that that's the the myth of it that it was the married woman that poisoned yeah. him, or her husband poisoned him. But remember, he his run isn't that long. That's what makes this so. Yeah, he was really young, I guess, when he died. Twenty-seven. Ooh, man. And he didn't have that many years, I mean, to produce this ability. And he was only recorded twice. Um, and and uh, he, 1936, and, and then he did a, another um, session. So there isn't that much that, that of Robert Johnson that, 
that people yeah, have. Well, you can imagine what he would have done if he had lived. But he, but that was maybe that's part of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's um, and I, and and when when you when you look and you see and you think, okay, none, none of the people he grew up with thought that he could play a lick. And, well, and when he came back, I've, yeah, from what I've heard, he could play. Oh, when he came back from the crossroads, yeah, he said there were nobody. He was. You know, the Crossroads Blues, standing in the Crossroads and try to flag a ride, suggesting that he was hitchhiking rather than, or did he, you know, do what he did. Um, last comment from you, can you sell your soul? <laughs> um, let me find it first. I yeah, don't yeah. know what it's worth. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Many times I've thought about it, right? Well, I'm only in my 70s. When I'm 80, maybe I'll, I'll have to. That, then you'll know. Then you'll know. Good call. Thank okay, you. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Do we, do we have any more time? No, he said that's it. A happy birthday to Lou Gonzalez. It is a Saturday morning, March the 2nd. What a great show. Thank you all. I mean, it truly is. And um, I, I just think it's a metaphor for betraying your beliefs. But, God, it's good stuff. And thank you for all the smart calls and all the comments that were made. Um, I will see you next week. And we're going to do the shoot this week. With Billy and um, and Jeff, after they've been over a month now doing the morning show, ain't it high time? Sixty-seven on a Saturday, the wind. Um, you tell me. You want to play? Want to play some? I play Eric Clapton. Play yeah. Play Eric Clapton or Robert Johnson. You pick. I'll see you next Saturday, everybody. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.